0: You know, the trouble with these celebrity appearances is I'm not going to recognize who half these people are. I have no idea who who this guy is from Arrow.
1: And then you'll feel, or maybe he'll feel embarrassed. Who knows? No, he won't care. Maybe he will.
0: But I'm emceeing the
1: thing, so it's going to be awkward. I I bet he will care. Deep down, this is what matters to him is his recognition. Yeah,
0: well, that's how people
1: are, man. And if you don't... If you don't know who he is, he'll think, well, that guy knew who J-Law was, but he didn't know me.
0: Yeah. And Batman. Yeah. Batman's going to be there. That's going to be awkward, uh, especially if I decide I want to talk like this in front of him. I, I would pay good money to see that. Probably wouldn't work out well. The man's got a reputation as having a bit of a temper. Hmm. So we'll see. And he see.
1: knows some type of martial arts. Well, he's Batman.
0: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to meet Batman, I guess. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I, and Jennifer Lawrence is a nice person, you know. Um, she sent me a poster uh, that she personally signed, you know, because I sent the arrows that were used in all the Hunger Games films. Actually, I sent the bows too. But um, the one that I want to meet is Ava Green. She's, she's, uh, she was in a Bond film. So that'll be, that'll be fun to meet her. Anyway, all right. It's, uh, I don't even know what podcast this is. I think we're on number 15 now.
1: Mm, I think it's 14, but okay, well, at this point,
0: J- Jay will figure it out for us and he'll yeah. put the appropriate title on the
1: We'll title it correctly on the we thing. W- <laughs> we'll not say it correctly. but Hey, everybody.
0: We'll title I'm it George Techmachub with Steve the Big Cat Anderson. And we're back with another Easton podcast. Um, we're really going to talk about Archery World Cup finals here. I, I got an email from Chris Wells, our buddy at World Archery. And the email says, Dear so and so. And it basically says so and so. Uh, we'll be publishing an expert's prediction article for the Archery World Cup final. This email is to a cross-section of the archery community, including archers, coaches, and pundits. That makes us pundits. Mm. And uh, he hopes that he can, we can spare a little time over the weekend to give him our prediction, which I still have to do. But I figure, you know what? How about we do that for a podcast? So we'll start with that, and we'll also work into some listener questions as we go ahead.
1: We can just kind of dispute what they have and and create our own list.
0: Of our, what would you call that? A fantasy uh, archery list? Um, people we'd like to see going to the World Cup final, like you?
1: No, I was talking to people who are in, and we just we just picked the matches. Oh, okay, we can do that. Yeah,
0: we can have fun with that. So I, I've got it here on the uh, I've got it here on the screen. We're both walking wounded here. Um, I've been I've been I, I, I've been coughing up half a lung since I got back from Japan. I think I picked something up on the airplane.
1: And I. Uh, I'm just tired.
0: That'll make it really easy for me to talk like Batman <laughs> this week when I when I meet uh, what's his name Christian Bale, I guess it is. Anyway, all right, so People's Republic of China for the recurve men, Spain, France, Korea, Mexico, and we've got a strong team in the USA uh, toward the uh, bottom of the bracket there. So uh, let's start out actually that's alphabetized, right? Um, yes. let's start out with uh, our predictions. I think Luis Alvarez is going to do really well in front of his home crowd.
1: Hmm. As the number eight seed against who will it be? Kim Woo-jin? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it is. There's the. Um, yeah, it'll be. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go with that one.
0: All right. Okay. You can. You can. You can dispute me. I. I, I have faith in El Alboelo. I think he'll do fine. But I also think that uh, Brady Ellison's going to do well, and it's uh, Colin Klimchek's first World Cup final which is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. I think he's got a great future. Yeah, I he, think He's a so. really solid guy. I mean, I really like him.
1: He had a great year. Truly. Yeah,
0: yeah. But he's also a nice person, which is also very helpful when wanting to uh, root for somebody. Uh, Xing Yu from People's Republic of China has a lot of experience. Uh, let's see. we got Miguel Alvarino from Spain and our buddy John Charles Valadant, the only bow hunter I know from France, although I know there's lots of bow hunters in France. JC is the only one I personally know.
1: Mm, And uh, Antoine, our friend Antoine Vialite.
0: Yes, uh, but as far as top shooters go. Correct, yeah. Yeah. So Kim Woo Jin and Lee Sang-yoon and uh, yeah, looking at this thing objectively, if Kim Woo Jin doesn't stumble, things are looking good for him, but uh, don't count out the highly experienced Brady Ellison. For the recurve women, Colombia, India, Japan, Korea, Mexico, Chinese Taipei, USA—you got to say the odds are in favor of uh, Korea.
1: With the two of them, with uh, Choi Mi Soon, Kibo Bay,
0: yeah, the number one and two seeded shooters—that's going to be a tough one.
1: And looking at it, I I would expect for them to be shooting against each other in the final. Um, Deepika Kumari always seems to make a good run, though. Sure,
0: but you know she's very up and down. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, just not not consistent. Um. Alejandra Valencia, in front of her home crowd. Hopefully, we'll make them proud. That's
1: another one. Um, she'll be shooting against uh, Choi Mi Soon. I think. I
0: think you're right. Yeah, um, Mackenzie Brown. I think has some potential here. Um, Kaori Kawanaka of Japan. Um, you know, uh, great shooter. Um, bronze medal from the London Olympic Games in the team round, and uh, a lot. This will be a great experience for her. Lee Chen Ying from Chinese Taipei. Miss Lee. A great shooter as well. So um, absolute standouts, really. If you look at the uh, women's recurve category, but I'm going to say that uh, we're looking at a Korean podium top line. Yeah,
1: and if they could have put four in, they would. They, have got, they would have. Yeah, it's
0: all kind right. Of a charity. Thing all right. To let's put let this let it it into your. In. Uh, let's put this into your ballpark here. This is the compound men. Um. We've got Denmark, France, India, Mexico, Netherlands, Turkey, and the USA with Rio Wild. Uh, Demir Amagakli of Turkey. We've got Mike Schluser of Netherlands. We've got Mario Cardoso of Mexico. Uh, Abshak Virma of India. Both Dominique Genet and uh, Sebastian Payneau of France, no PJ. And then Martin Damsbo of Denmark, who you beat for the bronze medal at uh, Columbia, right? Poland. Poland, sorry. Yeah. So, if you want to take a shot at that one?
1: Hmm. Uh, first match will be Mikey against Mario Cardoso. Mario could make a run here, but you, you got to assume Mikey's going to be like 148 or better.
0: Mike is going to be shooting well. Yeah. If he's healthy, he'll be shooting well. Yeah. And so, uh, if he doesn't eat the hotel sushi, I think we're looking at Mike Schlusser.
1: I, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to slow that one down um next up will be sebastian against number seven demir el yeah i'm gonna pick demir for an upset here yeah okay i'm due. with you on that i I, I, I
0: agree with you he's been showing sparks of brilliance all season and i think he's got that potential uh real wild i can't count out
1: no he's gonna he'll have D- dominique jenna first match and yep. i think that one will go to rio um the next one Martin against Abhishek Verma that one could be interesting cuz sure Verma could. can shoot and it's all going to be about how he handles the, the stage and we know Martin will be fine.
0: You know there's another consideration here and that's the weather. I think Mr. Verma will be more comfortable in the conditions in Mexico City than uh, potentially than Martin.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be very calm. You know, but I mean, it'll be warm, very be warm. True. Oh true. Yeah. You Martin's know? in winter already. Uh-huh. So
0: Yeah. So I'm thinking that a guy like uh, Mr. Virma coming from India is gonna feel right at home.
1: Yeah, he will, but I mean we're talking about Martin Damsbo, he's he's adaptable if yeah, nothing else, right? He's a long time professional. I think he'll be he'll be just fine.
0: Okay, and then for the women, um, you know, I'm looking at this list here and I've gotta say this is another powerhouse list with a lot of favorites. Uh, Sarah Lopez will represent Colombia, so will her teammate Alejandra Uschiano. And then we've got Spain with Andrea Marcos. Mexico is represented by your wife, Linda Ochoa, and Stephanie Salinas. And it's notable that the Mexican ladies made this in straight competition. They didn't have to use their allotted uh, team slot for being the host country. Right. In fact, they're about mid-pack. And then Russia has Natalia Avdieva and uh, Maria Vinogradova and then the American team of uh, Crystal Galvin, the American uh, representative. So Crystal, strong shooter, um, doesn't like hot weather all that much from what I understand and that could be difficult for her in Mexico City. I have to say that I would favor uh, either the Colombians or the Mexicans strictly on quote home field advantage from the standpoint of the crowd getting behind them and and I, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if there is a new addition to the uh, living room in the Anderson household with Linda Ochoa taking that medal. I all y- all y- I
1: have to say, Linda, Linda went home over the weekend. Her bow is <clears throat> still not there. Um, her bow should be there today.
0: You mean like physically?
1: Yeah, I didn't make it on the flight. So um,
0: from, from from where?
1: From from here to Mexico.
0: Oh, she was here training. Yeah.
1: So uh, today's Monday. I'm supposed to have her bow back today. That's fine. She was gonna take a day off today, anyways. Uh, I'm gonna go straight, Joe Namath, and say Linda beats Sarah Lopez to win.
0: Okay. All right. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna accept that as a uh, as a prediction. And uh, otherwise, you'd probably be sleeping on the couch.
1: Yeah. Well, I watched a lot of sports ball this weekend, so. You know. All right. I'm feeling that Joe Namath guarantee.
0: Well, you know, Joe Namath uh, was famous for his uh, guarantees, and oftentimes he was right. Yep. All right. So that that, uh, that wraps that up. I'm, I'm expecting Korea will take that mixed team for the recurves. Yep. And, I'm you know, Mexico's got a shot in the mixed team for the uh, compounds. Yep. So.
1: Yeah, they do. They will have a – it'll be – uh, against Denmark, I believe Stefan Hansen and Erica Anir. So, yeah, so be a good one.
0: Hey, they're all good shooters, but you know the home team advantage. You got to imagine the crowd's going to be well behind the Mexican shooters.
1: Yeah, very much.
0: You know, I'm not going to go to Mexico City. I've got too much going on. But uh, the nice thing is, I'm going to get to see some friends this week because they're stopping in San Diego at the archery center opening ceremony. Uh, Easton Foundations has built a new archery center in Chula Vista as a permanent. Home for USA's archery programs, and uh, a whole slew of people will be coming out for that. And we're we're also going to have a little special celebration for Jim Easton's 80th birthday, which actually took place back in July, but uh, it's first chance everybody has to get together with Jim to uh, and Phyllis to celebrate uh, Jim's birthday. So that'll be that'll be kind of nice, and uh, y- you can wave her in, you know.
1: Yeah, we almost had we almost had one breaking. We here, almost had
0: a right special there. guest here, yeah. All right.
1: Anyway. We we record this in a break room, so if people need to get to the microwave, too bad. Yeah, exactly. If you come in here, you're getting on the show. That's right. Like that, it or not.
0: Like it or not. So we almost had Sarah in here. Yep. All right. So where were we? We were talking about uh, Mexico, and we were talking about this event that's happening. So a bunch of folks coming in on their way to Mexico, including... Uh, I think Dean Alberga is actually going straight to Mexico. He was scheduled to be at this event, but he's not going to be able to be there, but... Uh, we are going to have John Williams, the 1972 Olympic gold medalist. We're going to have Daryl Pace, the 1976 and 84 Olympic gold medalist. Jay Bars, the 88 Olympic gold medalist. So obviously I'm taking the podcast gear down there with me so we can uh, knock off some of these people that we've wanted to, to interview for a while.
1: That will be a pretty cool event, I
0: imagine. I imagine so. So the only downside is I've got to MC the darn thing. Mm. But that should be fun. I shouldn't mm-hmm. complain. And I'm going to take my bow down there because I'm going to spend part of the day Friday practicing. We've got uh, magnificent center that they're opening down there. You know, it's it's just as big as the one here in Salt Lake City, if not bigger. But it has the advantage of a eastern housing uh, development there. You know, it's got a basically an apartment complex attached to it, so that shooters coming in, uh, like in January, we're going to have the team from Japan coming in for their final Olympic selection, and we're going to have teams from. Uh, I think Russia was invited, and I think we're having teams from Mexico coming out to scrimmage with the American team. Mm-hmm. So that's great training for everybody. Yeah, And the Easton Foundation is doing a fantastic job with these things.
1: Yeah, and my understanding is they, uh, the Easton Foundation is donating this to USA Archery? Yes. Or to the U.S. Olympic Committee? Well,
0: there's a question about who's going to have it because the question is, is the U.S. Olympic Committee still running that facility mm-hmm. in the future. Right. They're trying to hand it off to the city of Chula Vista right now. So they're in, they're in negotiations for all that stuff, and all this is way above my pay grade. So I'm not going to say much about it except to say that uh, uh, nothing's final on, on, on the disposition of the archery, uh, of the Olympic Training Center, which is why the Easton Foundations are building this permanent facility. Because even if the Olympic Training Center turns into something else, this will still be a permanent archery facility Regardless. with arguably the best weather in the country no matter what happens with the OTC in the future. So that's pretty good. It's a good secure future for our sport. You know, it was exactly 20 years ago that they opened the uh, the archery field in uh, at the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista. At the time, we called it San Diego because Chula Vista was a much smaller town then. Mm-hmm. And um, it has grown explosively, by the way. I mean, you wouldn't... Believe the amount of growth that has happened around the Olympic Training Center site since that Olympic Training Center was opened 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, it's uh, amazing to me. It's like a 225,000 population base there, yet they don't have any hotels within Chula Vista. I wonder if it's a city code type deal. I think
0: they've just opened one uh, on Olympic Parkway. I think there's one that's opening or has been opened. But... um, you know that that is that is a fact that is a bit of a pain over all this time. I, when I was a resident athlete there, I was living downtown in San Diego. Mm, so sounds rough. No, it's not that bad. You know, <laughs> I was a hundred yards from the water. It was awesome yeah. actually. I was just down the street from the Gaslamp District, so it was not rough at all. To be no. brutally honest with you, um, in, in, my, in my normal routine. I said, you know, I, I worked at Easton Composites at the time, where we developed the X10 Arrow, and um. I'd finish work at about 4:30. I'd get into work early and I'd finish at around 4:30, go straight to the archery center, go straight to the uh Olympic training center and practice till dark or often after dark. And um that was a good routine, you know, and of course, you know, traveling and all that stuff. Uh, but it was a, a great facility with a great program. Um we had Lloyd Brown there, we had Nancy Myrick there, and uh then eventually Coach Lee came into the program and uh it's been prospering for those 20 years. And, and now with this new archery center that the Easton foundations have, have put in there with the indoor 70 meter range and the outdoor, uh, flat ranges and the, the, uh, ability to shoot in any kind of weather, any direction in the wind, whatever you want. Uh, it's just going to be awesome state of the art and, and, you know, obviously a destination for archers from around the world as programs are developed to uh, accommodate that.
1: What color did they go with for the floor?
0: I'm not going to say because I don't know. I will know tomorrow morning. <laughs> I heard <so laughs> They sometimes. were talking about green.
1: Yeah. Which... Uh, I was
0: kind of advocating white strictly for light management reasons. Um, but I don't know what they decided on.
1: Yeah. They wanted green. And my understanding was it was for... Because uh, they believe it replicates finals venues. But not all finals venues are green. In fact...
0: Quite a pure blue. Most are not green. Yeah. So. Most, in fact, are not green. You're absolutely right.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. That would be a, a real shame if they took that building and painted the floor green.
0: I, I, you know, the architect for the building is Bob Easton, Jim Easton's brother, mm-hmm. who's uh, uh, one of the top uh, architects in the world, as a matter of fact. He's world-renowned. He's, he's published by Oxford Press. He's, you know, he's just a well-known guy in the world of architecture, just like Jim Easton's a well-known guy in the world of archery. And uh, we will also be sitting down, by the way, with uh, with Bob Easton, because Bob and Jim actually worked together back in the early '60s uh, with their father, Doug, at Easton. And Bob is the inventor of the aluminum ski pole. Wow! Yeah, among other things. So uh, that'll be interesting to sit down and talk with Bob Easton as well. Um, we've got some listener questions, so let's before we run out of a lot of time here, let's uh, go ahead and and grab a couple of those. Uh, we've got one here from Adam in Oxfordshire, UK would be Oxfordshire, Oxfordshire, Oxfordshire.
1: I always go with Shire. It's Oxfordshire. It reminds me of Lord
0: of the Rings, you know. It's probably Oxfordshire. All right, so first he's enjoying the show until he heard this segment just now anyway. Uh, He says he found us at episode four and quickly went back to download the previous episodes as well. Thank you. That's very nice. Um, So he's been following our discussion on uh, aluminium arrows. He's Johnny Ive. It's aluminium. When we developed... The X-23. We chose only the finest in aluminum alloys. Oh, boy. All right. I have a question regarding knocks. I tend to shoot both indoors and outdoors through the winter and so swap between 23 diameter arrows for indoors and X-10s for outdoors. Uh, He says he's just got one bow. He's shooting a Pro Comp Elite. And he does not want to change the knocking point on the string as he moves between the indoor and outdoor rigs. Mm -hmm. And, in fact... You wouldn't recommend that either no. on, on a pro comp, on, on any compound bow.
1: Yeah, you, you I mean, when I say I don't change the knocking point, I don't change the location. What do you're doing
0: is you're changing the position of the blade.
1: He's saying he doesn't want to have to change it for a, a larger knock, which uh, depending on what size of 23 you shoot, there are some options for a, a G bushing, so you could do that.
0: Mm-hmm. It says he prefers to shoot pin knocks on his larger diameter arrows. Uh, Previously for indoors, he was shooting uh, CX X-Busters because they have pin knocks. Recently, he's been shooting Easton Fat Boys um, with a gold tip 246 pin bushing. But in the past, he shot X7s and really fancies a set of X23 arrows for the indoor season. That's his phrase. Mm -hmm. So um, I think what he's looking for is pin knocks for the X23. We don't currently have anything that that allows for that. But if you have a G-Bushing... In your X-23. You can use a You can use a G-pin bushing ah. as well. So you could put an X-10, or sorry, an ACE bushing yeah. in that G-bushing. And with the tolerances of everything, it should work out pretty well.
1: Yeah. It's um, not what I would do. I would just make my D-loop a little wider and shoot a super 3D knock. But uh, it would work. Yeah, you run the... You run the... Uh, I don't, I don't want to call it a risk, but you do have to run a few extra components and there's certainly more going on, you know, so something to keep well, an eye on.
0: I'll tell you what. When we developed Pin Knock, we actually tested the configuration I just described and it works just fine. But, he goes on to ask the obvious question, why don't we offer that right out of the box? And the answer is because if all you have is a nail, every problem requires a hammer. I meant that the other way around. If all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Because we've got a variety of knocks that are appropriate for the different applications. Um, there's not enough critical mass of people wanting to shoot a pin knock on a big aluminum arrow to make it worth our while. But if all yeah. you've got is pin knocks, you know, which are copied from our pin knocks because we invented the darn thing, then um, do you like the way I throw the, those little zingers? Is that working you for snuck you? Snuck it in there, yeah. I did, yeah. Anyway, the point in case is, anyone didn't know. Well, I, you know, uh, I kind of, I kind of took a little. Uh, Snark for my comment about uh, ILF or whatever the oh, hell. Oh,
1: someone gave you a hard time.
0: A little bit, but it's okay because they were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's the answer for you, Adam. I hope that helps, and uh, thank you very much for listening. So you are uh, you're probably feeling like having stayed home today after having run the Eastern Sales Conference this past week.
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, you do I wouldn't say I ran it, but I was heavily involved in the the setup, tear down look and feel well the point is a lot of work yeah it was it was a lot of time spent over in the warehouse and working with some guys there and working with uh, you know we had a good group we made things happen but it was it was busy we had you know i had a like a 17-hour work day yeah yeah
0: well we introduced a bunch of new stuff that was kind of cool yeah it was you know this is a little like you ever see one of those apple keynote events uh yeah so ours is a lot like an apple keynote event only without the polish and the mm-hmm. professionalism. Just kidding. Just totally kidding. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's it's similar, right? I mean, you know, you, you get up there and you've got a, a room full of people and a big screen and you're showing stuff and you're explaining stuff and people get excited about it. And um, I, I will tell you, I don't think there's a ton for people to get excited about in the target archery realm from us this year. You know, we're we're introducing um, a extension of the stabilizer line, which, uh, you know, we when we... When we made the contour stabilizer, which is that sort of funky-looking stabilizer, um, we weren't sure how it was going to be accepted because stuff that looks different sometimes goes over well and sometimes doesn't. Yeah. It's definitely gone over very well. People really like it. And that's, yeah, and
1: the, the new one we just came out with, I think, will be even more well-received, and I've sent some pictures to a few shooters, Yeah,
0: they so, really like the look. So people who bought a contour are going, New one, what are you doing? Well, don't relax. This is a contour cs Yeah, your old one still works. Your old one still works. This new one is really for compounds more than anything else. It is 20% stiffer than anything else, and I think you're going to like it if you shoot a compound with a lot of weight. Otherwise, you're still going to want to shoot a contour, regular contour. Um, We've also introduced something that I think is um, addressing a problem that the entire industry has had in the past, which is a new extension that is essentially failure-proof. It's called a ProLink. And this extension has a stainless steel inside bar that connects the front and rear ferrules inside the carbon tube. So it basically can't break. And um, somebody will prove me wrong, I'm sure. But it's it's as bulletproof as you can possibly make something like that. And uh, so those will be available. And the price on those things is going to be about the same as the existing extensions, plus a tiny bit more. But, um, you know, that that's not revolutionary. It's evolutionary. But I think that the, the compound guys can now fully enjoy all the benefits of the contour that have been uh, proven by the recurve guys like Ojin Hyuk and Takaharu Furukawa.
1: Yep, I will uh, I will be going to the, the CS probably immediately. It uh, In testing one of the earlier prototypes, I really liked it. It I mean, I had 17 or 18 ounces of weight up front on a 33-inch bar, and it held up really well. felt great.
0: And, so. it, and and unlike bars that are in a similar construction format, this is not seven hundred dollars. It's gonna sell for about yeah. two ninety nine. Street price probably two hundred eighties, something like that. Yeah,
1: it'll be Right in the realm of what every other high-end stabilizer is right now. Yeah, but, but it's a it's, lot stiffer than yeah, most of those high-end stabilizers, mm-hmm. and
0: and it's a lot smaller in diameter at the distal end, so that makes a big difference in the wind.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's a well-engineered piece. Uh, whether you like the look or not, it makes sense and it works well.
0: But of all the stuff that we've introduced this year, the quivers I think have got to be uh, what's going to catch people's attention the most. These are really nice quivers. Yeah, our elite
1: field and our elite target quiver. Finally, we get to, you know. Show them to the world instead yeah. of just the, the few you might have seen around. Yeah, you, few, have, a, you may have heard archers. about these back in Copenhagen.
0: The uh, We had a few shooters like Ojin Hyuk and uh, Real Wild shooting the uh, prototypes of those quivers in Copenhagen. And now we'll introduce those with a field model, which, you know, has the arrows kind of pointed back away from the line. And a target model, which has the arrows kind of pointed toward the line, you know, the, the knock end. Um, so both of those will be available in multiple colors. You got the red and the blue and the, and it's in the high end material. You know, it's, it's really nice stuff. You know, these aren't, these aren't at the level of an angel full custom quiver. No, but they're also about
1: the price of the belt only. Yes, exactly. So, so you're not paying what you do for an angel.
0: Yeah. And, uh, so I, you know, those two things are, are the ones that are the most interesting, I think, from the standpoint of the people listening to our podcast, yeah. we had a bunch of hunting stuff and you know, a whole new line of hunting stabilizers and and whatnot. But uh, you can go to our website eastonarchery.com, if you want all the skinny on yep. all that stuff.
1: And on those quivers, I think availability will be around late December, early January. Actually,
0: it's going to be the first week of January that it's going yeah. to be shipped to the distributors, so it'll be probably available to you in time for Vegas. Yep, so is is what we're looking at.
1: Still a little bit out, but they are uh, they're nice. They're a fine piece, and and like I said, the uh, I mean, I don't know what what uh, an angel goes for these days but I know when I bought mine with my name on it it was a pretty spendy piece you know
0: I I still say that there's nothing as nice as a full custom angel quiver but you're looking at almost a year lead time right now for one yeah and
1: 250 plus well
0: yeah more like three Mm -hmm. yeah by the time you get especially with the number of letters in our last names for example (laughs) yours and mine are, are long names
1: and on this one on ours you will be able to screen print on the belt so it's take it to your local guy and put whatever design you want on there yep
0: so that's uh, another bonus. Um, the bow companies, some of them have come out with their stuff. PSE came out with their stuff, and uh, and Hoyt just came out with their stuff. We talked a little bit about the PSE Carbon Bow, which looks an awful lot like a Hoyt. I'm sorry, but it just does. Yeah. Um, Hoyt's come out with their new stuff, and it doesn't look as much like a Hoyt as it used to.
1: It's definitely evolved. I mean, they have... Uh
0: well, first of all, they've gone to the super distressed limbs, the super yeah. stressed limbs, right? So very, very limbs are coming back on themselves. They're past yep. parallel.
1: Mm-hmm. So that, that automatically changes the look quite a bit. And, and The
0: sales pitch for this is it effectively makes it act like it has a longer axle to axle.
1: Well, there's that. It should be a little quieter. I mean, it, you get very little movement out of the limb tips on those.
0: I guess they had to take the air shocks off because of the, uh, the way the limb works. It you, just wouldn't work with the air shocks. Yeah,
1: the angles and things like that. So it was it made more sense to do it without
0: i guess um, what's more germane to our audience is that the target bows the podium x and the fx and those are still unchanged
1: yeah they did add the hyper edge which i did a little replaces up. the pro edge i did a little write-up and had some photos on uh my my facebook page steve anderson archery which hey i'm verified now do you know that
0: that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm verified. That, uh, that makes
0: you. Uh, <laughs> I have a blue know. check mark. Well, yeah. you know, I'll bet you that some of the people that are coming to the archery center opening don't have their blue check marks. <laughs> I'll bet you Batman
1: doesn't. Take that, Batman. Yeah. No, it was a uh, they Facebook actually contacted me. And I guess I have really good reach and very good uh, uh, interaction. Twitter, and, Twitter did. Uh, no, Facebook. Oh. this is a Facebook deal. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, Facebook verifies people now too. Uh-huh. So props to the people out there who. You know follow my page and and participate and, and what is your and twitter that? handle
0: steve anderson 88 it? you got it steve yep. anderson 88 yeah and uh for people who want to follow us on twitter so steve anderson a-n-d-e-r-s-o-n 88 mm-hmm. and i'm g tech machov and if you don't know how to spell that you can't follow me
1: yeah maybe we'll drop some uh catalog photos because i don't think the pdf is up online yet so we'll show the the quivers and the stabilizers and yeah we'll get some photos online so go check those out
0: and remember that if you've got questions, you can always shoot them to us here at podcast at com. Podcast at com. That is yep. when our MIS department is on the ball and we're not losing emails when we open them like we did yeah. a few people. There's a few people out there that are wondering why they haven't gotten their answers. And the reason is we lost about five emails.
1: Yeah, if, you're on, if you send us an email and in the last month go ahead and send it again yeah it, it, we don't care if we get duplicates you know we'll yeah we just want to find those ones we, we had a
0: little locked. issue there and uh, i know we we lost one from a guy named chris in japan we actually had we're about to address it we opened it while we're doing the podcast and the thing just disappeared yeah it's some some glitch in the server so sorry about that um but if you want to shoot us back your email we'll be more than happy to help address that
1: all right uh what else we got oh we had a little uh we should maybe talk about what was written on Archery Forum.
0: Oh yeah, Marcus's Archery Forum. We've, it's Mar- our buddy our Marcus Anir runs yeah. a forum in Australia. And it's kind of interesting because um, if you look at the stats...
1: Archery-forum.com. Yeah,
0: right? but if you look at the stats for who listens to our podcast, the second highest stats are for are for Australia. We have like 1,700 uh, listeners in Australia. And, and I got to figure, you know what happened was... I post there occasionally i don't post anywhere else and um because marcus runs a clean ship you know he doesn't have right. he doesn't have a bunch of knuckleheads bunch on of his bullies. forum. well he has a few but <laughs> no no playground bullies or or cult you know uh type leaders on his on his forum so we have a, a positive atmosphere on marcus's forum and so i i follow it and i occasionally will will answer questions on there and whatnot so it's archery- forumcom that uh, that I'm speaking about here and um, one of the guys on on Marcus's forum is is one of the prominent posters on there his name is Andy And he's into all sorts of stuff he's into guns he's into fast cars and he's into optics and he, he's kind of like a Renaissance guy I, I think he's a pretty good friend of Simon Fairweather which therefore recommends him fairly highly so oh by the way Simon's going to be at this event yeah. which is pretty cool I you know um, we're gonna have just about every Olympian. Uh, that's won a gold medal in the men's category at this event. So uh, obviously I'll be bringing the gear down there. But anyway, on to on to what Andy had to say. He says he's been listening to our Easton podcasts, and rather than write to podcast, he'll address some stuff here, here being the Archery Forum site. Number one. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead and read that. I know you're going to get some satisfaction out of it. Yes, yeah, so this is
1: from Andy. So you may have wondered, we kind of went from, from George introducing me, and then I say big cat and... And we went away from that. and Because it was yeah, controversial. Yada. you yeah, know, Somebody some, didn't like it. Someone didn't like it. And we try to be you know, adaptable to our listener base. But we're taking it back now. And here's why. Because Andy says, and I quote, I quickly thought that Steve saying Big Cat in his intro was a signature piece. Like you throwing something for him to catch in return. Someone didn't like it? WTF. Next episode, <laughs> you call BS on it. Absolutely. I demand that you keep doing it. I also can think that the instant entry part way through a conversation without music and intro is also great. We don't need to be told what we're listening to with an intro. We damn well downloaded it voluntarily.
0: All right, then. You know, this guy doesn't hold back. <laughs> uh, I'll say I that. I love it. <laughs> he says he likes the uh, emphasis on stabilization being devoid of formulas and influenced by personal preference. Well, yeah. Yeah.
1: It yeah. You
0: know, people are not based on a formula, what works for Steve is not gonna work for me, is not gonna work for you, and is not gonna work for, you know, um Mackenzie Brown. Um he likes that we're not being Easton or Hoyt centric. Well, usually we're not. I mean, you know, we're gonna bring it stuff that we know, but it is um, the Easton podcast. Yeah, but you know, we're we're pretty egalitarian, I think. We
1: kind of just talk about the same stuff we would talk about. In the office. Yeah, but we just started Let's face it. it, if
0: this were a Hoyt podcast, do you think you'd have me admitting that win, win makes pretty good bows? Mm, no. Actually, I, I would. But it might be my last one. <laughs> not go over with. All right. So uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. That's a little too self serving for me to read. He's uh, saying some really nice stuff anyway. And. Um, One other thing is that he wants us to continue to destroy random myths about stuff as we think of them. Well, there's plenty of random myths out there getting ready to be knocked down, I think. But uh, none of them seem terribly important. What about the one about uh, black veins being uh, faster than red veins?
1: I never heard that particular myth. Oh, yeah,
0: I saw an argument about it one time. Yeah, I I think we need to have a myth of the week segment. It wouldn't be hard. All we have to do is open Archery Talk and open the first thing up there, and we'll probably find something to talk about. Yeah, let's do it. Myth of the Week. No, let's not. (laughs) Anyway, Andy, thank you very much for your kind comments.
1: Yes, thank you, Andy. So, George, you're heading uh, overseas again. Is that right?
0: Well, tomorrow I'm going to San Diego for the opening of the uh, Archery Center. Then I get back for a couple days. And uh, then, uh, yeah, we've got the Asian Championship, which will take place in Bangkok. And um, thankfully, I got myself. I, I spent four hundred seventy-five thousand miles to do it, but I got myself an upgrade because I, I still can't walk straight after the last trip. <laughs> I don't know what I did,
1: but I, I know I know your pain because I don't even fit in the first class seat, the business class seat.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, so it'll be somewhat less painful to go. Um, you know, I don't mean to complain. I mean that's a first world problem. Yeah, but it is a long freaking trip. It is. And um, so, yeah, you know, I I think I mentioned this in in one of the previous podcasts. Interestingly, around this time, um, because Japan got their one men's slot, they're not going to send their A-team. They're not going to send Takahara Furukawa. And um, they are going to send Shingo Tabata. And they're going to send Kikuchi Hideki and one other man to be named. And they're not going to send their A team of women because they 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 got their Olympic selection, so oh. they're going to use it as development. The Koreans are doing the same thing. The Koreans are not sending their A team, but their B team would be anybody else's A team. Yeah, Im it's Dong got Heung. Im Dong Hyung and come on, my goodness. <laughs> oh, I um I have it on dubious authority that uh, that uh, Kibo Min has uh, set a new bo Min, excuse me, has set a new. Uh, Kubon Chan. Kubon Chan, <laughs> you know, normally I get these right. Kubon Chan has set a new 30-meter world record. So uh, by exceeding the X count, X count of of uh oh Jin Hyuk. Any but,
1: word on the X count?
0: I don't know what the number is. Hmm. Well, However, another one. Yeah, so that's no big surprise, and he's one of the guys, uh, one of the Koreans who's who's playing with a with a Hoyt uh, formula bow now. You know, you've got uh, Im Dong Hyung shooting one now. You've got, uh, obviously, Oh Jin Hyuk has been shooting it. So uh, Dougie Denton over at Hoyt must be pretty happy about that, I imagine.
1: I imagine, yeah.
0: I think that, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, that these guys feel free to use whatever they want to use is a, is a pretty cool thing.
1: Yeah, and it, uh, to dispel another myth, you know, some people think that these guys get paid or whatever. No, these guys shoot whatever the heck they want, any equipment they want. They write to a manufacturer; they're gonna get it. Yeah, that's a fact. So, and yeah, I mean, Ojin
0: Hook doesn't get paid. He actually bought. I, I can tell you this firsthand. Ojin Hook bought his first Hoyt uh, Formula bow back in oh four or five years ago, and um, I when I found out, I arranged for him to get reimbursed for it. Right. But that's what he's been paid. Now he got contingency. From Hoyt for winning the Olympic Games.
1: Which anyone else would have gotten. Which
0: anyone would have gotten. It's open open contingency, that's right. But the amount of money that Archery paid to Jin Hyuk compared to what he got from Hyundai (laughs) I mean, you know, that was salad money. What he got from what he got from his sponsors in Korea, his non endemic sponsors, Mm -hmm. his non archery sponsors made made any archery money just look ridiculous. So these guys are nowhere in a position of having to worry about archery money. They're getting serious money from companies like Hyundai, and they don't care what they shoot. No. Now, one of the bow companies um, does a very good job of promoting itself, and they do that by paying the coaches, which I think is brilliant. I think that's really smart because, you know, you pay one coach and you take care of 10 shooters.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's uh, morally... Uh
0: yeah. that's a separate issue yeah. but I think that you know from the standpoint of what that particular recurve bow company is doing heck you know that's smart yeah and you you might argue that's smarter than paying individual shooters but uh, you know Hoyt doesn't isn't paying these shooters and uh, and you know it's a history of Hoyt that goes back many years Earl Hoyt Jr he'd pick up an occasional plane ticket as you heard Jay Bars say in one of our previous podcasts or you know he'd maybe pay for some hotel space but uh of course, back then it was strict amateurism, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, today it's pretty much the same compared to what Win & Win's doing. Companies like Hoyt, they're they are not paying anything. So don't be surprised if you see a few shooters who may or may not be at the height of their career, you know, switching bows, playing the money game, because that does happen.
1: Yeah, and I, I get it. You know, its uh, it's an Olympic year and you've got to finance yourself to a point. Yeah, so yeah. You, you do what you can, and whether that's uh, you know a worthwhile investment for the company, I, I don't know.
0: Well, uh, particularly for an American shooter, there's precious little money available to a recurve shooter in this country. Yeah. You know, the guys and women who've tried to monetize their careers have had to do it outside of archery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of unfortunate, but there's just not enough critical mass of sales in that area to make it really worth spending you know, uh, a large amount of money on, on paying shooters to use your stuff. So yeah. you're, and I think that, you know, they're right because it's proven that the shooters who are, I'm going to say the word loyal and who are using your stuff because they really like your stuff, people like Ojin oh Hyuk, right? Um, in the long run, you're way better off with people like that.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, and that's the number one thing I tell a shooter is first and foremost, I want you to like our product. I'm not going to go try to pick up a guy who, or a girl who, You know, is is just looking for the best deal. You know, I want them to because number one, if I if I want them to shoot our stuff, it's probably because I like them
0: too. Yeah. Now you know, Steve, you used to run the Hoyt pro staff program. No. No, you ran the promotions over there. And actually I ran the Pro Staff program before Kevin Wilkie took over when I worked at Hoyt. And uh I spent you know, I spent twelve years working at Hoyt after I worked at Easton, developed the X ten Arrow, uh then went to Hoyt, developed products like the Axis and the Matrix Bow and a bunch of other stuff. And then I I've, you know, I came back to Easton after the 2012 Olympics. But uh, during my tenure at Hoyt, I also, you know, it was kind of a side job. I ran the pro staff and I had put out a document back then. What is it that you need to do if you want to be sponsored by Hoyt? What is it that you need to be? You know, what kind of person do you need to be? What kind of achievements do you need to have? What kind of stuff do you need to do? And I'm I'm kind of maybe that's worth talking about for a couple minutes because there might be people out there who want to know what do I need to do if I want to be picked up by Easton because you're Easton's pro staff coordinator now.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, number one, you got to have an influence, and that's first and foremost before you win a tournament or get on the podium. Um, there's you know people who have the right personality type who affect those around them and influence sales. I mean, at the end of the day. If I'm sponsoring someone, it's not because I like
0: them. It's because we do
1: it to sell arrows.
0: It does help that's, if you like them, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we like them, great. But, you know, that, that's the whole purpose of why we do it it's to sell arrows.
0: I mean, unlikable people are not people you necessarily want to have sponsoring. <laughs> you. True. <laughs> you know, and we've done that
1: before. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's number one. You got to be likable. You got to be influential. Uh, number two, results really help. It, it truly does. And, and the market you compete in, Helps as well. I mean, if you're, uh, you know, if you're from the island of Samoa, and not to, this isn't a, a shot at anyone from Samoa, but you know, if you're from the island of Samoa where there's not a very big market, and you're from France where there is a very large market, you know, that 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 plays a role too. Um,
0: Although to be sure, to be very specific, we have helped out some Samoan shooters. Yeah, we
1: we yeah we. Do. In fact, uh, maybe
0: you don't know this, but through DTAC and through some other ventures with world archery we've done quite a lot quite for a Samoa bit, yes. so
1: but didn't we actually uh, help one there at world championships yes
0: uh, yes there was a shooter from was it Samoa yeah yeah it was
1: Samoa or maybe Fiji yeah we had to fix his bow yeah
0: we He dry fired his bow
1: so I don't remember we gave him some new limbs
0: so. yeah yeah he dry fired his bow and uh, and we set him up with, uh, with a new rig
1: yeah. yeah but yeah I mean when, when it comes to diving back into that um, you know right now there's a a shooter who I really like great shooter I think the guy has a lot of potential. He's shooting another company's arrows and I said to him first and foremost I said I want you to shoot what you are going to be best with because I, I like you as a person if that's our stuff great if it's n- not whatever but you've got to be competitive you're out trying to win an Olympic medal that's first and foremost for me hmm. if you want to shoot our stuff more than happy to, to pick you up you know but. You do what you think is best. And he goes, yeah, I, I do want to shoot Easton. I thought that was cool.
0: Well, we've had an awful lot of those in the last couple of years, and, and I think you know why. I mean, uh, it's a combination of product and also how the company behaves towards shooters, I think. I, I, I personally heard an awful lot of stories about uh, shooters wanting to shoot for Easton because they felt like we treated people better, which is a very complimentary thing, very nice. And in the end, what I really want when I wanted what I wanted when I worked at Hoyt and I ran the pro staff at Hoyt, I wanted people who wanted to shoot the product first, not to get paid to shoot it, but who mm-hmm. wanted to shoot the product. And I never recruited from another bow company. I never would go to a shooter and say, "Hey, would you like to try Hoyt?" Yeah, just absolutely. That was that's where I would draw the line. Yeah, they come to you. Yeah, and if they did come to us, um. I would make them shoot the product before making any kind of commitment, because I don't want a shooter on staff who's unhappy with any aspect of the product. Right. And generally speaking, the you know the Brady Ellisons of the world, the um, the RAs at the at the archery training center, the people like uh, John Charles Valadon, people like um, I know, just such a long list, you know, of great shooters shooting shooting that product. Um, those people are really into the product. They really like the product. And anything else is gravy. You know, uh, Ojin oh Hyuk, uh, you know, he really likes Hoyt bows. He's always liked them and always shot well with them. And so, you know, he, he uh, really is doing a great job of sort of evangelizing for that brand. And, you know, obviously naturally these people all shoot Easton because, we make the most competitive products, but I'd like to think it's because they, they like shooting our brand too.
1: I would hope so. I mean, it's a, it's a brand of, you know, such a legacy as well that it, it was a no brainer for me to, to want to associate here rather than elsewhere. And before I took this job, I had opportunities at working elsewhere within the industry. And I had the opportunities to shoot other bow companies. And it, it was a, no-brainer to me to want to stick within the Eastern umbrella.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we're very fortunate that we have that option of, uh, of being able to pick and choose from very great shooters. And, uh, you know, just a little bit of insight as to what goes through Steve's mind and, and used to go through my mind when I was involved in that kind of thing. You know, what kind of person do we want representing the brand? Uh, the other thing is my policy was not to provide any kind of paid sponsorship to a junior-level shooter. I don't think that's a good influence on a junior level shooter. I never liked nope. the idea. And it kind of got some parents, uh, you know, they're got up their nose a little bit. My so and so kid is, you know, a future world champion. Why won't you pay them? And I'm like, we, you know, I just don't like the idea of paying kids. I don't.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, when you have, and this is, you know, before you even get to something like payment, just with the product sponsorship. I mean, there's only so much you know, dollars we have, and that, that means product. There's only so much product I can give out on a budget, and I've got to pick the the best ROI. So um, if I'm looking at a youth-level shooter and their senior-level counterpart within the same place, you know, I'm going to go with the senior-level shooter. Cause- well,
0: my reasoning was a little, little more, uh, shall we say, Uh, based upon my estimation of what I think early sponsorship can do. Yeah. I think it can be damaging. It ruins them. Well, it can. Mm -hmm. I think it can because I think it makes them focus on the wrong stuff. Yep. That's my concern.
1: Yeah, I see And we've seen that. Yeah, I see it with everyone. I mean, I have um, some people close to me who, you know, right right now, a lot of people are working out it's contract season for, for bow companies. And I have some people close to me who are, you know, all about, well, this is how much money they're offering and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, you can take a, a good chunk of change for three or four years of your life. But, I mean, if you want to have a, a shooting career, I think you you pick what you feel you have the greatest opportunity to win with. Yeah, unless
0: maybe you feel like you're on the way out and somebody offers you a dangles a big carrot yeah, and you decide yeah. to go for it like recently happened, you know, with a particular Hoyt shooter I can think of. You know, this person is, you know, maybe on the way into their retirement and they got offered a big chunk of change by a bow company and they decided to switch. And that, yeah. Don't blame them. I don't blame them either. Cash it in.
1: Yeah. If you're, if you're, you're nearing your end, you might as well.
0: And, you know, even if you're not, uh, if, if you're getting offered a big chunk of money for shooting a particular bow and you're not, you know, you're not that competitive, then what do you got to lose? Right. You know? I mean, honestly, because, you know, if I'm Hoyt, I'm going to say, yeah, I'll pay you that, but you have to earn it on the podium. Yeah, I mean, Give you the opportunity, right? And, and any, anybody who's got confidence in their ability to win is going to go jump all over that, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to somebody who wants to take the lump sum up front. Well, yeah. you know, there's no guarantees, but I can guarantee one thing. You pay somebody, you know, some large amount of money up front and you will not see the same performance from them than if you have it as a reward for performance. Right, so yeah,
1: it's, uh, from a company standpoint, you, you are much better off finding those people who are going to be competitive and earn it that way.
0: Yeah, you know, and in the long run, those are the people who are going to be the best brand representative for you. You know, the average shooter can see through the BS that's served up by some people who are, you know, one, one year they're selling this product and then the following year they're selling a completely different product with a whole different story. I think the average person can yeah. see through that, which is it's been the downfall of some of the hunting TV shows. you know bow hunters they they instinctively can sense when somebody's doing that to them mm-hmm. and it's and you know the there there's basically been a collapse in that outdoor uh, TV industry you know because of that, I think, as much as anything else is a credibility gap
1: yeah it uh, before i before I even got back into archery, I was interning. And of all things you know I was I was at a, a place that did financial type deals and that was that included some stuff like insurance and and uh, things like that not not the most exciting stuff in the world right but what I definitely learned there was that people don't like to be sold people like to have a relationship built and then commit to being loyal to that relationship yeah so yeah. it's yeah when someone's pushing something on them they, they see right through it
0: yeah and, and they don't appreciate it all that much i don't yeah. think so you know from that standpoint you've got uh a real um responsibility on a say a little podcast like the one we're doing here to be honest you know and and not serve up uh sales pitch and so it goes back to what andy was saying in his comments you know that and we've heard that from some other people and that's just how we are we're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and and, and tell you that uh, we're a hundred percent unbiased, but I will tell you that we'll be honest about stuff. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, talk about going off into the weeds. We, we tend, tend to, to do, do that.
1: that. Seam or tend either way. <laughs> that was, that was a little bit of a moment we had right there. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I think we're just about uh, at the limit here. You know, I, like I said, we're going to get those interviews with the Simon Fairweathers and the J bars and the, the Johnny Williams and the uh, Daryl Pace, particularly Daryl, um, I'm looking forward to. I, not that I'm not looking forward to those other ones, but Daryl's, uh, I, I don't know how to explain this except to say that when I was a developing archer, my coach would show me 8 millimeter films of Daryl Pace as this is what you need to be doing. So for me to have shot with the guy later in my career, you can imagine what that was like, right? It's probably a cool thing. It would be like learning to catch a football from Joe Namath, right? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and so you know to have the chance to have him be a friend and to you know call him up on the phone once in a while and shoot the breeze. And then to be able to sit down with him and, and talk to him about stuff, I think is a great privilege and, and we're going to exercise that to its fullest.
1: Yeah, should be some interesting interviews coming. And-,
0: and, and I think the plan will be, we'll take those and we'll, the ones that are long enough, we'll use as podcasts standalone and the other ones we'll plug into the middle of our our normal podcast. We'll yeah. donut them in. So, what are
1: we going to talk about? Yeah. Well,
0: we'll figure something out. Yeah. And one of the ways that we figure out what to talk about, of course, is thanks to our dear listeners because they email us at
1: Podcast at eastntp.com
0: and when they do that we can we can blow half the show just talking about one email
1: yeah easily
0: it's a beautiful thing
1: i mean as, as far off as we go sometimes so keep them coming yeah
0: we appreciate it very much we appreciate the continued kind comments and uh we're gonna try to do our best to keep earning those i i don't know what else to say i guess that's enough except this week i get to meet batman
1: Oh, I'm pretty jealous of that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So,
1: <laughs> how many how many uh, total subscribers are we at now?
0: You know, I, I had the number up on the dashboard a little while ago, seventy eight hundred, I think it was, something we, like that. I need
1: to figure out some type of a giveaway for ten k.
0: Okay, a ten k giveaway.
1: Ten k giveaway.
0: How about some Eastern X tens for a ten k giveaway? Sounds
1: good to me. How do we how do we do the giveaway?
0: We'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, that that comes later.
0: Right? We'll we we will we'll do something good for that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, oh, I just got the email today from uh, our buddy Olivier in uh, Nîmes. Um, he's got everything dialed in you know he's got another great tournament coming up and he's asking me if I'll announce again and I'm I'm, exciting I, I, well I guess I will I will there do that go. for him you know I'm I'm getting out of this whole archery announcing thing but but I think that uh, for Olivier you know for the effort that he puts in yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it one shot
1: well at Neem you don't have to chase down and, and run the tournament too you true know? enough it's all you just gotta announce
0: I just gotta stand there and, and, and announce and follow actually I get to follow Benoit you know, right. Yeah. so you know Benoit uh, is actually doing the real job you
1: just kind of say whatever he just did
0: yeah more or less yeah for the for the for the 13 British people in the audience that care
1: <laughs> oh it's it's good to have you though
0: well thank you anyway that uh, just about wraps up another Eastern podcast which probably should have been wrapped up 15 minutes ago but hey you know
1: we just kept going
0: that's how it is for Steve the big cat Anderson I'm George Tekmichov Adios. We'll see you next time.
1: Ciao.